Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Greg Childs, Editorial Director of the UK's Children's Media Conference, talks about this year pivoting to a virtual event, what that entails and how the pandemic might affect the TV events business moving forwards. But first, Caroline Behar. Head of Factual International Co-Productions and Acquisitions at France Television talks about the challenges and opportunities opening up for documentaries at the French public broadcaster as a result of the recent lockdown. She spoke with Gunnar Cuse about these issues, plus what she's looking for as part of the Global Docs Co-Production Initiative launched at last year's sunny side of the dock, from which a collaboration with Italy's Rai about the Bay of Naples has already emerged. Uh, I'm living in Montmartre and it's really surprising to see how people are like recovering like if nothing had happened because the terrace are full of people. Like it's, it's very strange to see that life just takes uh, its own right again. But uh, very interesting for the audiovisual industry because uh, France Television have been really supportive and have really been uh, sending messages to the profession. That's uh, the, the group will support the industry. And we have been in contact with all the directors, authors, and keep on launching films. We will explain you that. But we can find that uh, it's still very complex and fragile for the industry, especially because in France, you know, we have a lot of... Uh, Small companies that are working, and it, it's not the same structure than in than in uh, everywhere else. As you know, the audiovisual industry and the documentary industry is very strong, but it's still a lot of small companies that are, are working on uh, on projects. So yeah, it, it's quite fragile. But at the same time, people are really reactive and very agile. So I think it will take times, but people will recover. I hope. I think, uh, yeah, I think it has changed drastically our way of working. So, you know, we, we don't have this tradition in France. In US and Canada, it's really developed and we didn't have this tradition. And uh, it has been really uh, the proof that we could be really organized and structured by working from home. And we will start working all together like a normal way in the 1st of September. So it's, it's a big uh, time lapse for us, but still we've been really organized. We have been keeping on studying projects. Uh, launching project, having all the conversation between us during the lockdown, between all our contacts. We, we are actually, we've been really active and for, for us and I think for me, we, we have been working in a very efficient and a very concentrated way. In terms of your own role, Caroline, would you be able to provide us with a current snapshot of the, the sorts of changes that have taken place to your division as a result of the pandemic? You've been outlining how there's more homeworking. What about the uh, impact on uh, content supply chains and how you're addressing that in terms of what appears on screen and what areas that you're prioritizing at this point in time? What, what was our really big priority uh, was the prime of France 2 because we're working on some big international co-production mainly with the BBC for the wildlife primes and these are productions we need to adapt. Uh, let's take the example of One Planet Seven World which were broadcast at seven hours for the BBC. We've been taking the seven hours and completely reshaped it. We've been working with the team from the BBC and uh, we reshaped the 7, uh, 52 as 290. And that was aired for France 2. It's really hard to, 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 to hook the viewers for 90 minutes. 
So you really need to work on the transition, the progression. And we did all that work with the BBC team. So that was a big priority. That was in February. And we did that again with Health from Space. It was five hours that we reshaped in 190 again. Before the lockdown, we worked on these two programs. And during the lockdown, we worked on a third program, which will be aired, uh, I believe, after September. And it's called Primates. And uh, it's another big program from the BBC that has been aired and we worked again on reshaping uh, the story changing the order of the sequences so we had to screen the episode exchange rewrite the things talk with the with the creative team of the bbc and usually we are all together to do that either we go to bristol once or we are with Perrin in the same room and it's so much work because you've got like the original series and you've got the script and you've got the french script you're traducing then you've got your new programs and we really need to be in one room to do that and be together. And we managed to do it like differently. And, uh, and I think the result will be really good. But uh, th- that was one of our big pri- priority during the lockdown. But then the, the second priority was for uh, uh, schedules, summer schedules of Friends 5. They were missing one big, big uh, series, historical series for the Sunday, like late, uh, late afternoon, beginning evening, like. Uh, six o'clock and we identified the Windsor series Windsor uh, the story of the dynasty and again we've been doing a a big work on that uh, because it was the distributed by BBC Worldwide but um, produced for CNN and the length wasn't the right one it was 640 minutes and we just can't error that so we figure out that we we should work on another uh, another lens and we worked on five uh, 50 minutes but we had to reshape the program and it will be ready on time it will be aired in july in terms of the slate that or the 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 content that you handle or you oversee how much of that has changed or how much do you uh, expect it to have changed because of the current situation, the pipeline of content that you were expecting, either in terms of acquisitions or, or co-productions? What do you expect the impact to be for the rest of 2020? One of the third priority uh, during the lockdown was the uh, science grand format slots. You know, these slots of science, uh, epic uh, 90 minutes. And uh, we, we had to do... Uh, um, meetings with all the producers because of course some of the production has been delayed not only the BBC productions but we are working on some French production that do have a international cooperation it's called Global Doc and um, we, we, we realized that we were really uh, supportive with the broadcast with the producers but film still will be delayed a little so we now think uh, of how to feed the slots with other programs, either on acquisition or on pre-sales. So we're now doing brainstorming with our main contacts, like international production companies, to uh, see how we can feed the slots. So this, this is very important for us because production like Lady Sapiens, for example, which was one of our main productions for Science Grand Format, it's like the Me Too of prehistory to really invest scientific investigation about the woman in prehistory. Very strong project, but for sure they had, they had to stop the shooting. It was the, the same from Bay of Naples, which is a production we are handling with Rye. So all this production will be slightly delayed, although all the production companies really, really worked hard during the lockdown, not only to find the experts, but also 
to prepare the shooting. There were some local teams uh, that were working. So we, to answer your question, we really did our best. For example, we have a series on Trump um, with 72 films that will arrive during the Trump election. And for sure, they could not delay the delivery of the program. So we've been working really, they've, they've been working with local team, local production team to keep on shooting. And we were following on that. We were doing um, a follow-up and meetings with them. So it, so it couldn't change so much the way we were working for this kind of big project. So we adapt in a second way by brainstorming and trying to find ideas or programs we could re, reshape, acquisition or for the Silence Grand Format and other programs. Also, we've been studying projects about the COVID. There's been some projects that arrived, but we've been covering uh, the COVID uh, expansion a lot uh, together with the news and also the magazine. So although we have some projects, uh, we will study them for sure, but uh, we, we will not launch uh, too many because it, it's been covered already. And uh, how is that, it has changed our way of working and uh, commissioning? It has made, we had to work more quickly, like the Windsor. We had to work in a very, very short period of time because there was this need. You know, so there, there was uh, at France Television, for Langaros, there were some events that could not happen. So there, there, there was need for programs, not especially in, for, from our division, but there was, a, there was a need of program at France Television to, to fit the slots. And uh, France 4 has been like doing an extraordinary job during the lockdown, uh, like Lumni, like an educative television, which was also on the other channels. But France 4 has transformed itself into an educative television. And... Because of budget cuts, France 4 will maybe keep on its destiny or maybe uh, will have to stop and it will be decided uh, this summer by the government. But this has an impact, of course, because uh, if France 4 is uh, not anymore a, a digital, uh, sorry, a, a linear channel, then France 5 will have more uh, younger uh, program. And of course, it will have an impact and the way to schedule our programs. And uh, so we will have to work differently and we start uh, thinking about that. What are your priorities now? What are you looking for now in particular? And what is your assessment of new opportunities opening up? We are, we are looking now for really ambitious and big project at the international, both for the prime of France too, but also now for Science Grand Format. It's really a priority for us because some of the film has been delayed, as we were mentioning. So we need to find strong uh, scientific uh, stories that really puts the passion of scientists on the upfront. We are looking also for, uh, you know, the Pepite uh, author's documentary films on 25 Shadows of Doc. And we've been working on that during the lockdown, screening all the film from the festival, trying to find new international production projects. And we've been working on uh, uh, four films that we acquired. So th that was intense for us and it, it's a priority. So Prime for Friends 2, Science Grand Format, 25 Shadows of Doc for acquisition and some international co-production and also some acquisitions uh, that we, we work now for all the channels. And we, we need to find 90 minutes uh, for wildlife or civilization for France 5. And all that needs to be very quick because we would like to have them for Christmas. So we have a lot of work now to find all these programs so that can be either acquisition that we re-edit or pre-sales 
or maybe co-productions. But uh, yeah, I know it's it's quite important to have this film quite soon. And um, we really want to develop this kind of cooperation that we are already setting up with Global Doc. We're working on a 9-11 project also. You know, the, the, the Trump. So our priority is just to have this film on time. That's very important for us. We've always been working at the, the international, uh, for international co-production uh, since a long time at France Television. So we have a strong network of uh, broadcasters and producers. But the way we were working was really to uh, uh, work together on programs and have an editorial input. But it was really a financing program together and also having a, an input. But it's, it was not about co-creating together. And we really wanted to go one step further in the dynamic of uh, co-productions. So we decided to set up and launch at uh, Sunnyside a new initiative last year, which, was, uh, which is called Global Doc. And it is really about impulsing a spirit of co-creation uh, between broadcasters, international broadcasters, involving independent producers, And we launched it last year and it was really a success because a lot of people came to us and we say we are really interested. And since then, we have developed five different projects together with RAI, CCTV, we're working with NHK. And this is very stimulating because it's about sharing exclusivity, sharing exclusive access or footage that I've never seen, been seen before. And for example, sharing archives. I can give you the example of Bedenep, which is our first a global doc project and a first co-production between Rai and France Television. And what I really liked about that, we had a lot of brainstormings, the two teams. So there was Rai and France Television, an independent producers from France, which is Outline. And we also have an independent producers from Italy, which is called MyMax, Maximo Me, which have a strong experience of international co-production. So it's really a new model. And what's really interesting is that everyone shares the roles, not only editorially, but in terms of production. So what we like during the lockdown is that also we were completely locked. There was a lot of inventive, um, inventive discussion, and we find that the field of co-production was really widening in a very clever way. So that was my wish uh, several years ago, that we could go one step further and like be more creative altogether. And it's really happened with this project. Caroline, as, as one final comment, you know, it'd be good to get your assessment of what you see as the challenges and opportunities for you going forward as France Television and your slate of initiatives. I think all this lockdown has really given the, the opportunity for the broadcasters to understand that this... Uh, cooperation were really a key of success for the future of the project to make them happen. And the fact that uh, in the five projects we are developing, we are really seeing that um, broadcasters and producers really enjoy the exercise of brainstorming together and that it really brings a new added value to the project. For me, this is a crucial point. I think this cooperation are bringing added value to the project. So for me, uh, the lockdown, we already said it all that stuff before, but the lockdown has really created this new impulsion and we had new interest of people saying that that's great what you're doing. Could we go and work with you? So I can, I can find that as an opportunity. I can find that uh, 
Of course, there, there will be the need of acquisition because there are some production that will be delayed. So I think it's going to be interesting to work on acquisition and pre-sales. The big opportunity for us is uh, that people always had a strong appetite for clever content. But I think with the lockdown, there has been something very strong in the, in the shift of people, uh, in the way of understanding the world, of and desire of, uh, of uh, decoding. Uh, science in story. So we feel that at France Television, we are really in our mission of public services. And to talk more generally, Gun, I think the documentary is really the signature of documentary of public services. I'm sorry. And uh, this, this lockdown has really created an appetite for documentary and the audience has really been proving that. Although there is the fragility that the lockdown has been creating, economical fragility for everyone, because there will be some cuts. But uh, I think this is a very interesting area for documentary, and uh, I'm really confident that uh, things will be strengthened in the future. Caroline Behar from France Television. With the annual Children's Media Conference in the UK this year pivoting to a virtual event, editorial director Greg Childs spoke with Nico Franks about what that entails, the opportunities it presents, and how the pandemic might affect the TV events business moving forwards. So thanks for joining us, Greg. Uh, you're uh, overseeing the Children's Media Conference, which usually takes place in the English city of Sheffield in early July every year. Uh, this year, obviously, because of uh, the pandemic, you're shifting to a virtual event. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting uh, to hear you talk a bit about how that process has been and what we can expect from a virtual CMC. Yeah, thanks, Nico. Well, it started quite a way back in um, sort of end of February, early March, as we began to realise that the writing was on the wall for events and uh, we are lucky in the CMC in that we have a very um, very active and helpful advisory committee and we talked to them and uh, we actually talked about whether or not to put it on pause for a year and they said that they really felt the children's media community needed opportunities to talk, opportunities to meet, opportunities to learn. So we thought we'd better carry on. So what we did was we immediately opened uh, a YouTube channel, which we've never done before, where we put all our existing video free. We then started work on uh, a webinar season in parallel with that. And using the learning from that, we've put together a virtual conference. Yeah, those have been happening uh, kind of bi-weekly, haven't they, those webinars? Um, what have you learned from those and how people have been using them? The learning from the webinars has been really, really useful and I'm so glad we did them. I'm also very glad we didn't do them weekly, which is what I proposed in the first place. The team um, actually dug their heels in over that one and it was right. It means that we can prep them well. We use the same system that we use for all CMC content. The session is produced by a person from the industry and executive produced as well by a person from the industry, usually from our advisory committee. So you get that sort of sense of being right on the ground when you're talking about the topics, which is great. So we learned that, you know, carrying on our existing systems actually works really well. We also learned that obviously these webinars create a much wider international audience. I would say upwards of 30% or more of the delegates coming into our, our webinars have been from a huge variety of places, actually, not just the US, which I sort of expected because we have a lot of friends in the US, but actually right around the world, we've had people from Brazil and Uruguay and goodness knows where. So that um, has led us to sort of slightly shift the emphasis of the content so that it's inclusive for the international community. Not all of them. One of them was very much about 
freelancers at work in the UK and what they were facing. Technically, what we've learned is we feel that, you know, simple things like not leaving chat open so that everybody's just sort of chats during the event is a smart way forward. People will chat and will get distracted. But we've also learned that people want to ask a lot of questions. So we use the, the Q&A system in Zoom to get questions in. And just interesting things like we've we've created a sort of back channel. Having myself directed studios in the old days at the BBC, for me, talk back is essential. If you can talk to the people producing the content live as it happens. So we, we actually use a, a WhatsApp back channel to make sure that all of the people involved, um, the technical team, me as the sort of overall editor, the exec producer, the producer and the moderator are all in contact all the time. And that helps them run very smoothly. So we've learned a fair bit about how people behave in these spaces, um, how long they stay, how, how much the attention span is, all very valuable to us. Yes. And obviously, yeah, there's inevitable technical. So it starts on July the 2nd. And um, it run usually CMC that it runs over the course of three or four days, doesn't it? But you're you're kind of stretching it out over over a whole week. Um, but obviously, unlike CMC when it's in Sheffield and there's kind of concurrent sessions going on in different rooms, uh, the schedule is a lot more you know streamlined. I guess. Um, could you take me through that? Yeah, it's it's more spread out. It it actually starts the second of July is actually the international exchange, our market day. And, you know, that's an interesting point. I mean, we've managed to create a market that works using our our meeting mojo system, which uh, we've always used to sort of uh, profile the participants. Uh, They they contact each other through meeting mojo. Meeting mojo creates the schedule for the market. Mojo has taken a step on in technology and actually within that schedule, it drops in the video link. For both parties so it's a really convenient way of creating a market day again interestingly of course we have to consider how long the market should go on for nine to five doesn't work it's eight till eight now because we need to be talking to china we have 22 buyers coming in from china we also need to be talking to the states and in the, in the meantime uh, we'll talk to europe uh, in the middle so the other interesting thing is, of course, the market was always co- sort of concurrent with the conference in that it was the day before, always the day before the conference. Now we don't need to do that. We do that because, of course, traveling is very difficult. We want people coming to the market from abroad to enjoy the conference and contribute to it. Now we can do that anyway because they're not traveling. So the market is separate. It's on the 2nd of July. And for the first time, we're actually selling a ticket for that quite separately from the conference. We've, we've been quite evangelist about people who come to the market and buy a ticket for the market should have bought a ticket for the conference first now we accept that these are sort of separate events and uh, and it's possible to buy a separate ticket it's a fantastic opportunity we've got uh, nearly 70 buyers there so you know you could get through um, a dozen meetings in a day and more if people sign up. So that's all available on our website. So the actual event, yes, you're right, we've spread it over a week. It runs from the 6th to the 10th of July. And the way we've rationalised it, we, we gave a lot of thought to the amount of time people can spend actually watching and listening to webinars. So we've rationalised it down to one stream of content, one live stream. In all, I think, um, with a workshop on the opening afternoon, uh, we have, I think it's 14 separate sessions spread out over the week. So roughly three a day, longer gaps between allowing people time for breathers, allowing people, uh, you know, obviously the, the choices that they can go elsewhere and not 
actually experience the whole thing. It's all it's all being done inside a, um, a sort of proprietary system. They're, they're not Zoom meetings. They are actually um, all uh, being facilitated by a Sheffield-based company who's put together the software for this. So it's a sort of platform that we're using to deliver webinars. When you come to the schedule, all of the webinars are laid out there in front of you. You can see them in a time-based system and you click on them when you, when you want them. Equally, you click on them, obviously, if you've missed them, because as soon as we can, I'm hoping within the hour, uh, we will be putting them back up as video versions of the webinars. And at the same time, because obviously with only that number of sessions, we can't have that vast eclectic uh, nature of content that we get at CMC. What we've done is we have put a lot of that content into a series of short videos that are delivered in a sort of video on demand catalog. Again, inside the, the platform, easily accessible, easily seen, stranded so that they have um, particular sort of resonance, you know, for, for different audiences and at different times. And the whole idea is that you can mix and match the live content in the webinars and the recorded content in the video. And the video is all starting to come in now and, and it's looking really good. Of course, they're not quite the same as conference sessions. Many of them are more like sort of short documentaries with, uh, you know, uh, different talking heads speaking about the topic. It means that we've been able to still run our research strand. There'll be, I think it's nine research sessions altogether, half hour videos from the research companies um, with an end to end, uh, you know, reveal of some valuable research content. We've got a, a sort of general strand, which is called Perspective On, and that allows you to sort of dip into all the usual eclectic, strategic, um, ethical questions that the CMC loves to deal in. Well, we have a strand uh, called that we're very proud of and uh, uh, that we've been planning for a very long time called Inclusivity Now, which is 10 separate videos on practical case studies of people who have actually managed to achieve greater accessibility, greater inclusivity in their content. And we, we just feel the time for talking is over. You know, our theme this year is right here, right now, or maybe still here right now. Um, but you know, we think the time for talking on these things is over. And actually, these sessions are all designed to be practical, on the ground examples of what you can do to uh, improve your mindset, your, your workforce, or your inclusivity in content. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting one. And we've even gone a little bit back in, in time in that we've got some sort of key industry personalities talking about their favorite previous keynotes from CMC, uh, and a sort of clip version of the keynote to give you some of the best of CMC from the past. So yeah, so the each session won't necessarily be dominated by COVID nineteen, you know, as as you may have expected, you know, a, a month or so ago. Yeah, what's the kind of general mood amongst the kids TV industry at the moment? I would say the mood is still very uncertain, and that I think will be reflected in some of the panels that that we run. There will be reference to COVID. Some of the research sessions, for example. Clearly, the research has been carried out during the time of lockdown. Um, others not, you know. I think we can't get away from the fact that, 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 you know, versions of lockdown are still going on here and in other countries. And I think we can't also get away from the fact that things have changed. And interestingly, it's not just now that lockdown, of course. It's also about the incredible movement that's grown up in the last few weeks as a result of the Black Lives Matter protests. And that's a worldwide movement now. So clearly we will be reflecting that as well. I, I think it's difficult to say quite how the sessions are going to turn out, but definitely 
they, they don't have a sort of central agenda of what's happening as a result of COVID. You know, we are running commissioner sessions. We have to talk to them about commissioning for the period of COVID, how commissioning has been affected by it and the delays and so on. And of course, the, the downturn in the economy that's likely. All of that is going to reflect on, on commissioning. It's all going to reflect on the business. That then reflects on, on you know, creative capacity as, as, as business diminishes. So I think, yeah, we are going to be reflecting where we are, but we're going to be asking, a lot of the time, we're going to be asking what's next. How, how do we get out of this what is likely to happen in the future. For example, we run an opening question time every year at CMC, which is often mainly policy-based, policy and regulation. It's about the latest sort of laws coming in that will affect the business of kids' media. This year, we're much more taking a step forward from that and thinking, well, there's not that much actually in terms of new policy coming forward. Obviously, there's the fund. They will have their own session and we'll explore how they're doing at the Young Audiences Content Fund. There's the question of um, the regulation of online. That, of course, will come up. But we've decided to take that policy session and make it much more future gazing, much more looking at what, what are kids' heads going to be like out of this? How do we as, as media makers respond to the massive changes that they've had to face in the education system, in, in their relationship with their parents, in their relationship with the rest of their family and so on, and of course the loss of their friends um, in, in that interim period? So I think, you know, question time looking five and ten years forward, it, you know, that's an interesting new venture for that. I'm really pleased to say that we've got Russell T. Davis joining us for that one. So, um, you know, uh, as as uh, the creative years and years, I've long wanted him to come and, um, and talk about the years going on ahead for the children's audience. And um, obviously, CMC is well known for its kind of um, agenda setting ses- sessions, but also the, the networking side of things as well. And I noticed that the karaoke is still in the schedule. So how are you approaching the networking side of things? Goodness only knows. Uh, Karaoke, I don't know. I mean, it it looks, you you know, in CMC, everything is very devolved. You know, people get on with the thing. And um, uh, the the guys at uh, uh, at Carrot are producing the karaoke for us with Mark Wilson, who's on our advisory committee. It looks crazy. I think it's going to be great fun. I have no idea how it's going to work, to be honest. But I think, um, interestingly, that will be a Zoom event because uh, because of the way it needs to be set up. But, um, but you know, once you're inside the portal, invitations to all these different events will then emerge. So once you've bought your ticket, all these, the just like, you know, when you attend CMC and you get an invitation in your bag for the party or the reception. So there's karaoke, there's also a quiz night. Um, that's going to be another interesting one. I think lots of opportunities in those in, in a couple of evenings for people to come together and actually say hi to their mates. I don't think the interactions are going to be sort of deeply conversational because there'll be so many people involved. But I think you will get a chance to bump into your old mates and make a few new friends. We've actually found in the conversations that have been happening after our webinars, and we've been taking people to our Facebook group to, you know, continue the conversation with some of the speakers, the moderator, the session producer, and a few people come, you know, it's not a great number of people, but it is interesting watching how new relationships develop in those conversations as people try to help each other out with answers to questions and so on. 
We're going to do a fair bit of that within the conference as well. The live webinar stream, we will actually switch on the chat for the half hour after the session is over. So for 30 minutes after the session is over, I would say it'll be the equivalent of catching some of the speakers on the stairs uh, in the showroom, you know, or going to the front and having a quick chat. The chat function is relatively simple. It means that you can leave single messages and get single answers to them. And I think um, we're asking our speakers to sort of stick around for half an hour and join in the conversation for the 30 minutes after the event. We will also, for some of our sessions, we'll open up the, the, the CMC Facebook group. It's really worth looking at the Children's Media Conference Facebook group. It's got a lot of members and it's a great place for networking and for, and for getting reaction and getting help and getting answers to questions anyway. But we'll open up specific events in that group to talk around, say, for example, the inclusivity on Strand. The inclusivity on Strand will have its own Facebook group uh, event in which people can ask questions, they can share good practice, they can compare notes. So there are sort of three different social approaches, if you like, the, the, the evening events, the, uh, the 30 minutes after every single session that's a live session, and then the chance to have, if you like, longer term conversations, probably lasting out through the whole of the week, really, in the Facebook group. So I was writing recently about Cartoon Forum, which is the event that takes place uh, every year in September and for the past few years in Toulouse in France. And they're optimistic and still planning um, to host their event in mid-September. And they issued a lot of safety guidelines about how the how the event will take place. Obviously, it'll be very different. There won't be any of the kind of usual networking elements that they usually have like the big lunches or the dinners or cocktails so obviously the, the industry is crossing its fingers that that will be able to take place so that people are able to still meet and do meetings face to face or mask to mask as it were but obviously i think this period has led to a lot of people reassessing you know the necessity of international travel and going to you know an event you could go to an event in in the kids can calendar alone you know once a month how do you think that will impact, you know, event organizations like yourself in the years going forward? And how are you planning for that? It's great the Cartoon Forum are plowing ahead with this because Cartoon Forum is really very important. And, you know, um, the animation industry has managed to sort of pull itself up and keep going right across the world. And they are the ones delivering content, um, you know, on time in most cases. Uh, it's so important for them that they can have that, that get together. I think there will continue to be a difficulty about travel, even when this is, let's put it in quotation marks, all over. Because I don't think it'll be quite all over. And, and I'm not sure we'll quite know when it is all over. I think that for a long time, there will be a reluctance to travel uh, far. And it will be tied up as well with, you know, some of the feelings about the climate and so on that have been bubbling under and growing, do I really need to travel? Those sort of questions. So I do think it, it, it will affect some of the big international events. We're lucky we depend, you know, mainly on the UK and Irish audience to be uh, at CMC. I believe people will want to come together again. And I, I particularly think that the slightly smaller local events like ours, and you know, we, we, we are essentially UK and Ireland's children's media conference that now over the last 10 years or so has started to welcome more and more international guests. But we welcome them on our, our terms. You know, we welcome them on the terms that, you know, for the most part, we're talking about um, UK issues. Um, 
many of them have an international resonance. They love coming to the conference because of the quality of the conversation that they get there and the chance to meet the British creative industry because, you know, we're good and we are still out there because of events like this. I do think it it may affect our international guests in the future. And I think, you know, other events like like, um, the events in Cannes and, 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 and Kids Screen and others will probably see a reduction in the numbers of people traveling simply because there'll be a reluctance to travel for a number of reasons one to do with the virus and secondly to do as i said with climate change and and just the general understanding that it is pretty much as convenient in some cases to get your meetings sorted online and you know the need for travel therefore diminishes so i think it is going to affect things and and i think a lot of events like ours are going to have to consider a more hybrid way of working in the future. I think it's almost certain that we, will, we won't abandon all the things we've learned uh, simply because we can get 1,200 people back to Sheffield. We'll, we'll consider through the course of the next year our relationship with the audience and whether some audience members benefit hugely from what we do by not necessarily attending the event but being able to access um, some of it either during or after the event um, online so yeah I think there will be there will be a change but uh, as we said about discussing what's going to happen to children and what's going to happen to children's media I think it's still very unclear as to what those changes will be um, predicting people's behavior hasn't exactly been uh, done perfectly by the government has it so why should we be any better we'll we just have to keep talking and listening Greg Childs from the Children's Media Conference. That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 